umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with our basketball editor drew montag and we're going to talk about the michigan basketball team which is on an amazing undefeated tear 11 and 0 overall 6 and 0 in the conference they just had a big win over Wisconsin by a score of 77 to 54. Uh, I saw one stat; they had a 28 to two run. Well, Drew, what do you? How do you feel about how Michigan played versus Wisconsin earlier this week? Well, it's certainly their best game of the year, um, but they've had three or four real good games in a row, which is real encouraging. Um, but Wisconsin, I mean, th- that's a team that we always have trouble with. And to get up by 40 points in the second half against them was amazing. I just, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. Um, it is, it's kind of weird that you look at it and say, oh, we only beat them by 23 at the end. But we played four minutes of uh, the, the bench players in there. And they actually, Wisconsin got hot at the end, but way too late. Um, it would have been fun to have more like a 35 point final margin of victory but we'll take 23 well as you mentioned it's interesting because wisconsin is one of those teams over the years that um, not only michigan but other teams have struggled with so uh first of all it's great to see michigan beat anybody by that by that amount but when i saw the beating they were putting on wisconsin i was i was just amazed i mean it's 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 amazing to see it's a great thing to see Especially with uh, the disappointment we had in football, it's it's amazing that the uh, the basketball team has just uh, has risen to the occasion and and seems to be uh, uh, still rising as it goes. Yep, they uh, they've been playing well. There are a few games mixed in there, um, especially early in the season. The Oakland game was a little scary; had to go overtime to beat them. Um, but looking at the schedule. The games got harder slowly, progressively, and as the games got harder, Michigan played better, which is the way you want to do it. It would have been tough if they jumped into the season with the first Big Ten game being Iowa or Wisconsin. Um, instead, they got a couple games against the Penn State, Nebraska kind of teams, Maryland, to kind of get things figured out before they got to the Minnesota, Wisconsin, turns out this year Northwestern's pretty tough kind of games. Um, So the games have just been getting tougher. And looking at the next one, don't want to jump ahead too much, but the next one tomorrow against Minnesota, it's tougher, even though we've played Minnesota once and beat them pretty convincingly, it's tougher because it's on the road. So once again, this will be another first. It's the first game Michigan's had on the road against a ranked team. You know, so they've they've kind of eased into the season the whole way. People are pointing at the tail end of the season when Michigan's got a lot of games against a lot of teams that are uh, highly thought of, um, maybe not ranked anymore, like, say, Michigan State isn't ranked anymore, but they're still going to be a tough opponent. So... Just the last seven or eight games of the season are really going to be challenging, and hopefully they've the, the Michigan team has 
grown enough, learned enough, gotten their chemistry together enough that they'll be able to hang in there for all those those tough games at the end of the season. So, Drew, I don't want to pass that up. I mean, I think that's really interesting. Did did I hear you say Michigan State's unranked? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to pass that up either. Um, they're currently two and four in the Big Ten, and they're kind of on a pause. They had to miss their game. Was it Wednesday night um, against Iowa, and then they're skipping their game against Indiana coming up this weekend. So they've got at least two games that they need to make up at some point. I'm assuming the Big Ten's going to make all the contenders or want to be contenders make up the games that they miss due to COVID problems. Um, I, it didn't happen in football. In football, there was a wild variety of how many games people ended up playing. But uh, in basketball, I think they're going to try and get all the teams to play 20 full games. And uh, that could be a challenge. Things could really get backed up. So far, Michigan's just got one game they need to make up. That's the Penn State game, Penn State away game that was supposed to be last weekend. Um, And they've got a couple gaps in their schedule where they only have one game scheduled for a week for making that up. So it shouldn't be too bad. You don't want to get more than two or three postponed games. And as the season goes on, you certainly don't want them because there's less time to make them up. So, but yes, Michigan State's not performing the way people expected to start the season. Um, They were ranked, I think, as high as four, and now they're unranked. And they, uh, they, like I said, they're two and two and four now in the Big Ten, which puts them pretty near the bottom. Wow, that's sad. I feel bad. Yeah, our country cousins. Yeah, I feel bad too. So, Drew, you and I talked when John Beeline unexpectedly left, and you know he had done a a, a really an amazing job building the program up to be a perennial contender, not only in the Big Ten but a dangerous team in the uh, tournament every year. Um. What are the differences that you see uh, that Jawan Howard has brought as coach? And and I will tell you, I'll be the first to admit that um, as much as I love Jawan as a player and, and hoped he did well, I, I was really concerned. Um, there's not a great track record of of, uh, of former players coming back to their universities and 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 having a lot of success. And you know, so far his uh, his tenure here has been really really amazing. Um, what differences do you see between, uh, say, a John Beeline coach team and a Jawan Howard coach team? It looks like Jawan is kind of giving his players a little bit more free reign to go out and play and have fun. And Beeline was a little bit more controlled. And I love John Beeline. I thought he did a great job here. Um, and he was the right coach for a college team. And he proved that he wasn't the right coach for an NBA team because the NBA players, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers didn't want to sit and practice passes for 20 minutes like he did at U of M. So he was good at fundamentals. He was good at developing players. He was very good at um, finding um, diamonds in the rough, bringing them in, bringing in two stars and having them go out as players that every other team in the country wanted. So Juwan is 
done a better job at recruiting, especially looking at the class coming in next year, but he's done a better job at recruiting and he does a good job of letting his players go out and play. He just decides which players he's going to put out there on the floor. Um, the other difference, though, you don't see it as much yet. Hunter Dickinson is the biggest example. John Beeline probably was recruiting Hunter Dickinson from when he was in eighth grade or something like that. But um, but John Beeline would have had a problem with Hunter Dickinson not being able to shoot three-pointers. Every other player on Michigan's team, the whole time Beeline was here, could shoot three-pointers. They, they do that. They have a drill at the beginning of the season where they need to make a certain number of three-pointers in five minutes to be on the team. And I don't think that Hunter would have made the required, I don't know, 50 in five minutes or whatever he had to make. So he's just not a three-point threat. And that's the difference between him and all the other centers that we've had during the whole beeline era is that he's not going to shoot from more than 10 feet away. So my favorite center in a long time was Mo Wagner. He'd pull the opposing center way out there to guard him on the three-point line, and he'd make him look silly. I mean, I still remember the thing with Nick Ward trying to guard him for Michigan State, that he'd draw him out there, put the ball behind his back, go around him, leave Nick Ward laying in the lane watching while he went in to lay it up. And then if Ward tried to stay in front of him, he'd just step back and pop into three. So you're not going to see that from Hunter Dickinson, but you're seeing much better post play than we've seen, I think, since Phil Hubbard, maybe. So he's <laughs> Juwan was pretty good at at, uh, at center, but he, I think that Hunter Dickinson's a, a better back to the basket center than we've had, gosh, maybe since I've been watching. So he's uh, <laughs> he's very good. It's fun watching this team play because they you really feel like Jawan has kind of turned him loose, that he doesn't control them as much. He, he lets them play basketball the way they want to play. He teaches them in practice and lets them play in the games. So that's interesting. It does seem that uh, one of the things I've noticed from watching the, the games is that they play without ego, Right. There doesn't seem to be any, uh, or there are dominant players, but it seems to shift from game to game. There doesn't seem to be anybody selfish. There seems to be a lot of camaraderie, and uh, it's it's really been a joy to watch because, again, I, I was really concerned when, when Coach Beeline uh, left, and, again, I'll say it, I, I wish you on well, but I was not holding my breath for great success, and it's really amazing to see that the, the team that he's been able to put together in a relatively short amount of time. So the question I have, Drew, is, uh, as you mentioned, there are uh, uh, COVID-related delays and and games being canceled. Is this team for real? Is is this something, uh, are are they uh, taking advantage of kind of the the COVID-related season? I mean, is, and I think uh, that's the one of the questions I have is, you know, they've been real successful at home. Do you think that this team has the medal to go on the road and uh, not only go on the road, but 
once they they start facing opposing fans, do you think this team has the metal to stand up, or are they kind of uh, just something that that is uh, taking advantage of of our COVID related uh, season? Real good question. They've they haven't played a tough team on the road yet. Maryland and uh, who have they played? Maryland and Nebraska <laughs> on Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. <laughs> so. They haven't they haven't played a tough team on the road yet, and we'll find out how well that how, how much that matters. But it's a whole different season with not having visiting fans. Um, you've seen it once again. Not to pick on Michigan State too much, but they've lost a lot more games at home this year than they usually do because they don't have the Izzo in there helping Tom Izzo intimidate the refs and it's made a difference. Um, it makes almost every game like a neutral site game. And I'm hoping that that's going to translate into Michigan having an easier time playing in places like Purdue and East Lansing, places like that where they've traditionally had a tough time, um, been good at home and then gone on the road and gone, Ugh. so I, I'm hoping that they'll be able to keep going, keep rolling, even when they play their away games against tough teams. Then when you get to the tournament, I guess they're going to have fans. I don't know if that's been decided yet. Um, if they do have fans, are they going to have full arenas? Is this, or is it going to be socially distanced where, you know, an arena that seats 30,000 is going to have 5,000? I don't know. So I'm hoping that uh, they'll still be able to play as well in front of a crowd, even a hostile crowd. Well, you know, if there's any disappointment in this season for Michigan fans, it's I can only imagine how Chrysler would have been rocking against Wisconsin if there had been fans there to to partake in the beatdown. So, you know, that's – that's one thing I was thinking is that it's it's too bad uh, the fans couldn't be there to see it. Um, so I guess the other question I have is, so you talked about Hunter Dickinson. Who do you think is the uh, the all-star of the team? Who who have you been watching and who have you seen develop and, and kind of surprise you this season so far? Oh, definitely Hunter Dickinson. He's, uh, hey, I, I like how Mike Smith has fit in. He certainly isn't a superstar, but he's, done what we've needed him to do. He's run the offense pretty well. Few turnovers. Um, he shot pretty well. He's used to being the main scoring guy and he's settled into his role as kind of a secondary scorer pretty well. But uh, no, Hunter Dickinson has been amazing. He's been much better than I would have hoped. He's playing like a senior. I'm hoping he sticks around for another year. Um, I can see the NBA would love to take him assuming that, like I said, he's not the um, hybrid type of center that you're seeing, especially a lot in the NBA, like Mo Wagner, who can shoot the three, handle the ball, and go in and and play back-to-the-basket kind of basketball. He is strictly an old-fashioned back-to-the-basket center, but he does that so well. He's got such a nice touch underneath He's got good instincts for where the ball's going to go, getting rebounds. Um, his passing is 
gotten better every game. He's real good now. When people do decide to double him underneath, he's good at finding the open man. He's he's definitely the superstar on this team. We expected Wagner to be, and he's played well, although he had a real slow start. All five of the non-conference games, he was eh. And even the first um, Big Ten game against Penn State, he was eh. But once he got going, these last, well, six minus – so last five, six games, he's been very good. Um, he's still got another gear we haven't seen. I think he's still got a couple 35-point games in him where he's going to just get hot from outside and the other team's just going to – they're not going to be able to stop him. And he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't really found his three-point stroke yet. We saw it last year a couple times. So uh, I'm looking forward to more from him. Um, so those those are the three candidates for calling stars on the team, Franz and Hunter and Mike Smith. So from what you've seen so far this year, what do you think this team is going to need to do to uh, contend for a Big Ten championship? Keep winning. Um, they, they have to keep the trajectory they've had so far where they keep getting better each game. Um, as the competition ramps up, they have to keep doing as well as they did the last game and maybe a little improvement. So it's tough to ask them to play much better than they did against Wisconsin. If they play that well this next game, say, against Minnesota um, and their other tough games, I think they'll do fine. The trick will be to see how well they do when they get some real adversity, when a couple of people are having off days. I was real worried when we were shorthanded at center, when it was just Hunter with occasional minutes from Brandon Johns, who we haven't talked about. Um, But now that we have Austin Davis back, I feel better because everybody can have an off game and Hunter could – I don't know, tweak his ankle and have to sit out the second half of a game or something like that. And if we'd had to roll with just Brandon Johns for 30 minutes, I think it would have been a tough thing to ask of him. He's really short to play center in the Big Ten. He's a good small ball center um, when we want to run. He's a good rebounder, um, but he's not really a center. And so having only two centers on the team, it was kind of worrisome when one of them was missing. So I'm glad that we have Austin Davis back. He's he's played well. He's gotten better. You can see both in Hunter and in Austin Davis how much it helps to have a coach who was the center in college, high school, college, the pros. He knows how to coach centers. He knows the things to tell them, the, the little tips to give them. Um, Austin Davis last year and this year, is 10 times better than he ever was his other years. So it's that, – that was the only weakness I saw for a while there while we were short a center. Now that we've got Austin Davis back, I think we're in pretty good shape there. Um, the point guard position seems fine. we got wings where we need wings. So I think we're in pretty good shape. 
All right. Well, we'll be excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. And uh, as the season moves forward, we will uh, we will reconvene and uh, and and review how uh, everything goes. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Drew Montag. Go Blue. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.